Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me as well. I already see that I need to change my banner here, Chris. Yeah, ac- yeah. actually, we're the good thing is that, yes, absolutely we need to do it. I can click it for you. There you go. I We got two of them. In case Neil wants to sit on the other side and I want to, we, we want to switch seats. We got it. We got it covered here, folks. So, <laughs> so we'll uh, get ready for SEC week number five. Just four games in the league. Not a, not a, not a huge weekend of action. We talked about it a little bit the other day. It's uh, Auburn at Ole Miss. That's the 11 a.m. game tomorrow. You can see that, or uh, Saturday, I should say. I'm so used to doing this on Friday. It's, we're doing this <laughs> Thursday at noon. Uh, Chris has a conflict tomorrow morning at our normal time so we're uh, getting it taped a little early which is fine auburn at ole miss 11 a.m sec network tomorrow can uh, let's see alabama is at tennessee that's the cbs game 230 central 330 eastern there in knoxville kentucky and missouri get together in columbia missouri it's a 3 p.m game on the sec network and then south carolina heads to lsu that game at 6 p.m on ESPN. Everybody else in the SEC has the weekend off. It's a slate of games for next week. I'll go ahead and tell you there is a lot of buzz that Vanderbilt Ole Miss scheduled for Nashville next Saturday at 3 p.m. is iffy because of the Commodores ongoing COVID stuff, which is really weird. The the only team in the league that is having just ongoing COVID things. I say that. Um, Florida's now got them in a mess. Florida's right now. got a world, a world of hurt, too. And there's a lot of people think they won't get their game in next week either. By the uh, way, uh, let me just stop you there and ask you, give us an update, if you can, on the COVID situation at Ole Miss or just what the status is. I know Lane has alluded to some things, but what do you know there? What can you shed the light on problems, normal, good, bad, whatever? Yeah, I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But uh, I'm I'm hearing from people who would know, and and just reading between the lines of the things the players are saying that it's, it's just not particularly bad. That it's not not that big of an issue. Um, I mean, I've heard some specific numbers. In fact, just this morning, I was talking to someone who said it's one. So I don't I don't know what Lane is referencing, or why he's referencing it. Um, but that's the impression that I get is that it's just not a it's not an issue. Maybe he's maybe he is just take not taking anything for granted. Maybe there's some misinformation that's going on. I, I don't I don't know. But I I don't I don't sense from anybody in or around the Ole Miss program that it's that it's a big concern. Well, that's good. It's a kind of a relief. I kind of hold my breath every time and we got the Big Ten starting this week, the Pac-12, and there's no margin for error in their schedules, but we're getting really close, and I'm getting really worried. You mentioned Vanderbilt, and uh, God bless them. They they don't need any more difficulty, but I'm I'm probably most concerned in the league for Florida. That's a team that's still pretty good and still got a lot left, and I'm just starting to sense that season's getting you know sent off the rails with COVID, Yeah, and they got to really – I mean, they're going to have to go back into us a slight little mini camp and let's get a coin let's get back on track type thing because they've got everything shut down until monday and it doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory on monday it's just uh and at some point they're going to run out of dates to which be able to make up some of these games it's already both florida and georgia always have that bye week prior to their game not so this year and it's okay we know that it's not going to be normal but you know for the for the Florida fans that are thinking, yeah, look, we got it going. We know we lost A&M, but we'll get it back on track. This is now a bigger hurdle for them to have to deal with because of the contenders in the league, of the contenders around the country, um, this is probably the best team that's dealt with COVID issues that could really, you know, hurt them, you know, the rest of the way. Yeah, I will tell you this, that in the event that Florida is – eliminated if you will before that they can make up i don't know who they play next weekend but they could make that game up lost track because i don't know who's uh let's see on the schedule uh is open date so who the, who they who would they make up next week because they they schedule to play next i i i've lost track i've got the original schedule yeah uh, somebody uh, out there knows because i mean the I mean, is it make up Kentucky week or I'm pulling Missouri? It up. Anyway, I'm pulling up uh, the SEC schedule now. So it's because uh, I know they, they had adjusted it last week. Yes. So is it a Missouri makeup? Um, 
That's Sem- right. Kentucky was later. It's probably a Missouri makeup, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's Missouri, but I'm pulling it up now. Because LSU is December 12th, so it's the makeup of the October 24th Missouri game. It's my guess. Um, Here's the schedule for next week. As of right now, it's uh, Georgia at Kentucky, LSU yeah. at Auburn, Ole Miss at Vanderbilt, Mississippi State at Alabama, Arkansas at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Missouri at Florida. So yep. uh, what I was going to say is, is if you're not playing in the SEC championship game on uh, December the 19th, you can make those games up. Uh, there could be other games on the 19th that don't involve the uh, – as long as you don't involve the two teams that are that have won the West and the East, respectively. Right, and I'm just a little bit – I don't know, and I'm not making predictions on it, but I'm in a situation where, you know, Florida, I guess my point would be they're a contender, and, and with the idea, let's just say they beat Georgia. Well, then they're right in – I mean, they're, they're now in the East driver's seat and need to make – the Missouri game needs to go off next week and the Georgia game. And then it's Arkansas, then it's Vanderbilt, then it's Kentucky, then it's Tennessee, then it's LSU makeup. And then it's the sec championship game. Should they navigate all that? I'm not predicting that they are, but I guess that's my point is yeah, Missouri and Vanderbilt, they don't have to make up those games with all due respect. They're not going to be in the mix. Florida could be, may, may not be, but, they certainly contenders, but anyway. All right, let me ask you about a couple of off-the-field things before we dive into the games this week. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this case, it's not even about COVID. It's it's uh, a couple of things. I want to start with Tennessee, not because it's the main thing. Mm-hmm. I want to get to LSU in a second. It came out that uh, Tennessee coach uh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt fired Jimmy Brumbaugh, assistant head coach, defensive line coach, fired him during the game. Tennessee, Kentucky last week. Um, we talked a little bit about this on Tuesday. Some more details have come out. Um, Pruitt's going to coach defensive line himself the rest of the year. What are uh, what are your thoughts about what that means for <laughs> where that program is kind of moving forward? I, I know jokingly, yeah, jokingly, coaches fire assistant coaches during games all the time. Those, <laughs> those firings never stick. This was a real firing. Woody Hayes had a habit of doing it. I think he fired Bo Schembechler at Miami of Ohio like 42 times. He'd fire him in a meeting. He'd rehire. He'd fire him in practice. He'd rehire me. He'd fire him in the game. Boy, could you imagine the information age, <laughs> the days of Woody and Bo? That no. would be something. Uh, would be that's that's a book there. Um, no, it's concerning. There. Here's the backstory, and that is. You know, Jeremy has not hit on these coaching hires and, you know, whether not doing your homework or whatever the case may be. The bottom line is he and Jimmy did not get along from the very beginning. He's only been there since February. Um, and it's been coming to a head. I was told that the Missouri game was the game that, that, that apparently they were going to fire him after the Missouri game. And I, and I guess, you know, they, I don't know if they made up the defense coordinator or the co-defense coordinator, the head defensive coordinator, who's basically the guy that is responsible, very close to Jimmy Brumball. And, and listen, uh, Jeremy knew Jimmy and had somewhat of a relationship, but they butted heads, you know, they're defensive guys. Jeremy's not somebody that gets along real well. He had problems with Mark Rick. You know, he's had problems, you know, in a lot of places. He was kept in line at, at Alabama, of course, but he would ruffle feathers with other assistants. So now he's a head coach. Um, this is coming to a head. I, the obvious, you know, situation is that they were not seeing eye to eye on how things practice, meetings overall, and um that's where it ended up. Um, there's there's a little bit of conflicting reports. He fired him during the game, after the game. He's gone. What it tells me is that there's, you know, dysfunction may be strong, but I don't think it's too strong. It's, there's, a, there's a disorganization. That's what I'm looking for. A disorganization of, you know, what are you looking for, Jeremy? You're not, you've not done a very good, had coordinators pick up and leave. You know, it's just, it, it, there's not a lot of organization 
on making sure that everybody's roles are defined. And that's up to the head coach. And so I think there's communication issues that go beyond just the normal stuff. Because when this happens, Neil, when you fire a guy that you just hired in February, well, you just, you know, there's no way getting around it. Maybe the firing was justified, but then that means the hiring was a screwed up hiring. You didn't do your homework because if you do your homework, then any little issues that you need to deal with, Neil, you need to be able to work out. And it's not a fireable offense. Now, there's some there's some unusual circumstances beyond, you know, the normal there, there are things that can happen off the field and things that just, okay, boy, no one saw that coming and boom, he's gone. This is just a case of guys not playing nice and getting along. And, you know, when you don't get along with the head coach and the head coach is not happy, then then you got issues and you, you're butting heads. But then again, that's on Jeremy to not have that contained or controlled. And again, you've had guys that have been an offense coordinator for one year. Tyson Helton, boom, gone. You know, I mean, I just wanted to leave. So I, there's some issues there. There are absolutely some issues. And at this stage in year three, uh, shouldn't be happening like this. It shouldn't be happening like this. You know, I hinted at this earlier in the week. I've I've heard from some people that around the country that some of the some of the social justice stuff, some of the Black Lives Matter stuff, has bled into programs, has bled into coaching staffs. These people are are, are human too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's uh, created some strain on different staffs. I don't know whether that's a factor at Tennessee, whether it's not. Um. But I think we're all kidding ourselves if we, if we pretend that some of the divisiveness that's going on in our country with social justice, with the election, with all of those things, you're pretending if you don't think that stuff makes its way into a football building, inside any building. It, it absolutely does. And I don't know whether that's an issue at Tennessee or not, but I can tell you that's an issue at a lot of places. Well, you can see it as, hey, look, we're here to coach football. We're not going to get into that. And then you have, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say because you're, you know, and you can see where that can be gone. Now I will say this, Jimmy is talking. Jimmy has a close relationship with the coaching staff at Kentucky and the hole they got fired during the game is coming from the Kentucky media. So that that's kind of where that came from. And it doesn't mean it, it it's wrong or right. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think, um, and I don't know that it matters a whole lot. I mean, at, at this point, uh, firing during the game just kind of puts the antenna up of, man, that that becomes losing your cool and your composure of dealing with it during the course of the game. But what if it did happen during the game, what, what led to that? Or is that an overreaction? Or was that something? I, I, how could that not have been handled better? Which, again, goes to a bigger issue is, again, the head coaching job, but an SEC type school, is that a little bit too much for Jeremy? Is that a little bit too much for a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of polish that doesn't maybe know how to deal with things is a first time head coach. That is old school, which I love, but you can be old school, but what's your communication skills? Look, I mean, the whole issue of you speak your mind. Well, that sounds great when you're winning. Hey, boy, I know. He, he speaks his mind. There's no – nope. you you, you got to have some decorum. you got to have some communicative skills to be able to create a harmonious atmosphere. Not that it's all – let's whole hand sing kumbaya as a coaching staff. you got to have control over things, and I would say that Jeremy – right now is lacking some control over the situation. And let's remind folks that he's not going anywhere because Philip Farmer gave him quite an extension. And this is, this is, that was a bad loss. We talked about it Tuesday. It's going to be a bad loss this week. It's going to be a bad look, even if they play well, but the rest of the year is, Hmm. Let's see how this plays out. How is that going to look, Neil? If they, Again, and they're playing well, and this is not to be dismissive. How is it going to look after a bye week if a first-year head coach at Arkansas beats them? Auburn is struggling to beat them. 
Now, I don't think Vanderbilt can muster a win. No, I don't. God help them if that happens. And then, you know, you get maybe boat race by Florida. Uh, and you lose to AM, you lose to Auburn. I mean, this is, you know, the Arkansas game in particular. You mean to tell me a first-year head coach and you're in your third year and you can't figure it out, you're firing coaches during the year? You know the scenario. So those are – it's an issue, and it's not a good week to get right. Alabama week is not a get-right week. No, this is a bad week for Tennessee. It's going to be a bad result Saturday. We'll get, we'll get to the game in a little while, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. It's going to be bad. Speaking of bad, been a bad week in LSU this week. Um, LSU's got South Carolina. It's the least of their concerns right now. Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks. There are uh, a couple of things off the field with LSU. Uh, one more comical than anything else, and then the other that's pretty serious. There's the the Ed Orgeron pictures. He's divorced. He's a free man. He can do what he wants. You do question though, Chris, and I have to say this: if you're Ed Orgeron, and look, you're free to. Um, you're free to spend time with whoever you'd like to spend time with. Again, he's not married. But when she pulls out the phone to take the selfie, <laughs> you got to say, listen, this is not a great idea. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's, I mean, we all laugh at it. But come on, got to be smarter than that. Anyway. Ed Ed Cruton. <laughs> he's recruiting. He is he is recruiting. Um yeah. Except, no, it's um, um <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 bigger story and the one that's more interesting certainly is um the NCAA issue. LSU self reports, uh, the Odell Beckham Jr. throwing the money around after the national championship game, the uh Our Lady on the Lake stuff finally makes its way into the NCAA um, sphere. They offered eight scholarships over two years. I'm just going to tell you, based on what I'm hearing, the NCAA is not going to accept that. That's not nearly strong enough for what they've done. What's, what's the word down there? I know you're in Baton Rouge. You know a lot of people at LSU. What, what can you tell me? Well, you know, the NCAA's practically bought real estate here because uh, it's cheaper than renting because they've been in ever since Will Wade is, is kind of – cause them to take up residence in Baton Rouge. It opens up. It's one of the things about it. You know, it opens up uh, some things and there's, um, there's a lot there to uncover. The, the, the key guy is John Paul Funes, who's, um, who's a former chief fundraiser for the Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, which you know, you're familiar with. But for those that don't know, it's a, a, a very big and prestigious hospital they put together and it is beautiful a new children's hospital that recently i mean over the past six months it just opened up and it's just a beautiful beautiful place but he was the fundraiser former chief fundraiser and he's an lsu booster and this is makes it even more distasteful because it's involved so he embezzled eight hundred thousand dollars from the nonprofit area of the hospital. And that's money's found into the hands of LSU players, LSU player parents. And, you know, it's one thing when a rich guy makes a lot of money and decides he's going to take 800 grand of his own money and pay players. That's a violation. Okay. But it's just something that's really distasteful. You're thinking, okay, what is that $800,000 meant for? You know, and, um, you know, that, it just, that just kind of puts it over the top and, uh, you, you're thinking, um, okay. So, um, LSU is basically going to have to right now under their self-imposed man, you're right. The NCAA is going to look at it and probably say, no, um, no, thank you. Um, we're going to go deeper, but right now, as it stands, they've got, they're at it. They're, they have to stay at or under 81 scholarships. And that's not going to affect their numbers this year, or next year um, until we get another ruling from the NCAA, but they've got to keep the overall numbers as the NCAA makes its ruling. That's going to be the determining factor is 
uh, do they air more, add more to this? What I expect they would, that they will, but, and that's scholarships, amount of the, the television stuff doesn't happen anymore. And the bull band don't matter anymore. It's scholarships. So where do they go? Where do the NCAA go with scholarships on top of the eight? That's going to determine. Um, and that's certainly going to have an effect. Scholarships is the quickest way to really hurt um, an operation. But this has been something that's been there. And, and I think it all depends upon what the NCAA is able to prove because that's a part of it. Um, I will say this, that we've seen schools lawyer up and be able to fight it. So the NCAA needs to have their proof. Um, but they're also fighting a little bit at LSU the NCAA saying not to tie in the basketball to the football. Well, the NCAA looks at it as institutional control. Of course. And so the higher up is, you know, I mean, Will Wade and Ed Orger have nothing to do with one another, what they're doing, but it's institutional or lack thereof institutional control. And, you know, I, it's about provability with Will Wade. I think anybody that's followed Will Wade and I'm a football guy, but I'm aware of Will Wade's reputation coming out of Virginia common. Are you well, surprised that he's still employed? I'm shocked. I mean, it's, 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 here's what it comes down to. And I know Scott Woodard pretty well, and I've had some conversations and I just won't divulge you. I'll just say that, um, Will Wade has been popular because they've said, Oh, well, they cheated Kentucky. They cheated too. Yada, yada. They just, for whatever reason, you know, they've not been able to prove it, but we know there's stuff there. It's if the NCAA can prove it, uh, they're going to get hit hard. The basketball program will, and the institution will, and the show cause and all that. I, when this all blew up and we had the, uh, the damn strong offer comment on tape, I thought, well, that's it. He's never ever going to step foot on campus again was suspended. And then it comes back and everybody was, and I didn't like Joe Oliva and Joe Oliva was somebody that didn't do a very good job, but everybody was against Joe on all that. Cause he was kind of taking a stand of, Hey, no, I'm suspending. Will Wade. I, he's not going to sit there and talk with us. And he just survived it. And I just don't know what the NCAA has. What, what, what we think we know and what we believe and follow the dots, Neil, and what's provable is two different things. I mean, I don't know how Sean Miller still has a job coaching basketball at Arizona, but he may not in in another few days when things are when things are uncovered. So, yeah, well, I'm shocked that Will Wade's still there. I can tell you this on the basketball thing, uh, and and this is hell. It was in a story today. I think Pat Forty wrote it. I'm, I'm normally a, a critic of 40s. It was a really good story. He talked to a lot of people around basketball. And we'll get back to the football thing in a second because it does tie in with what we're talking about. There is a sense around the SEC that if nothing happens to LSU, if nothing happens to Auburn, that it's a license to cheat. That it is, it is a license to go. I mean, look, I use the speed limit analogy. Let's be real. I don't want to be milk and cookies here. The speed limit is 70. It's understood that everybody's going 84, 85. It's understood. Everybody gets that. Well, if everybody's going 84, 85, traffic continues on normally. It's understood that occasionally you're going to hit the accelerator a little bit and go 88. But if you're careening off the, off the uh, rails at 110, well, it's a problem. And everybody sees it. And if nothing gets done about it, everybody else is going to go 110 too. And so you, you, it needs to get fixed. I'm shocked. I'm frankly shocked that the NCAA has dragged its feet on Will Wade because from talking to people, I think the NCAA would like to pop Will Wade. And from talking to people, I think LSU wouldn't mind if the NCAA did it. But now football's tied up in it, and that gets kind of iffy and squirrely. Yeah. I'm sure LSU is wanting to sac- is wanting to separate the two because LSU will, will sacrifice some basketball for football. Yeah, and I think I think it would be – to be honest with you, a little bit of a relief of Scott Woodward's back if 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 the NCAA did its job with Will Wade. Because the first thing he said, first only thing he's told me is he's been told what my expectations are, and it mean and it wasn't about basketball. I mean, so it's like you know, okay. I mean, I get that, and he said it publicly, so I don't mind saying you know that. But here's what I don't know: is the NCAA's enforcement ability is you can kind of know it. You can kind of smell it and see it, but you, if you can't find the body, 
you got to prove it. And and one thing we see is um, I I just don't know I don't know what they have in terms of proof, and and that's what they've got to figure out. And that's where the the enforcement part of the NCAA football is is right now it's lacking. They can't prove a lot of things, and if you can't prove it. They end up in situations like in North Carolina. People still can't believe North Carolina wasn't pop. Well, they ended up suing because they couldn't prove it. So what did they know? And if they had it. It was proven in federal court, though, right, Chris? I mean, I would think from what I understand, it is. So why is there not enough there? But why hasn't anything happened? Yeah, I, I don't know why they dragged their feet the way they do. I mean, the Ole Miss investigation took six years, and there was nothing, nothing. That was anything resembling $180,000. Hell, there was nothing in it that resembled $2,000. I mean, that that's to me, that's that's where people watch this. And like, if, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I can hear them right now saying it. Quote, we didn't do anything like that. We got hammered. Well, and what what is a damn strong offer suggest? I mean, I get it. Well, it's not proven what it could be. Oh, it's, well, it's, I mean, a damn strong offer is not a scholarship. No, it, it looks common sense. You know, you've got to have something there. He was off. But, he was literally telling them that he would make more at LSU than he would make in the in the G League, or even <laughs> if he made the NBA as a rookie. That's insane. It's obvious they've got the they've got him on tape. So I don't know whether they well, and, and may, may, maybe they're putting together that case that's just going to really hammer them. And it's just yeah. taking a little. I don't know. I, I don't know the the investigative arm what they have. I, I just let me ask you, you know this. what I know, and it doesn't doesn't sound good to look up. But I certainly haven't spent any time investigating it because of course that's like whatever. I don't have any time. Let me let me ask you this: there is a there is a conspiracy theory that that Scott Woodward, who is the son-in-law of Mark Emmert that that's going to help LSU skate here. You buy it? Oh, I think that, well, I mean, there's obviously a close, close, close relationship there. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think that they will probably try to do everything they can to save, like you said, save the football program or limit that. But, um, I don't think so. I, I I don't think in terms of basketball. Let me put it. Let me put it to you this way. My opinion is, I don't think Scott's going to use one of his favors on saving Will Wade. I'm just going to say that. I don't know that. I don't think that's going to be a favor he's going to call into. Now, saving football, you know, uh, yeah, probably, probably, probably so. I think LSU staring at a one year bowl ban. I I, I think. I think they're going to get the bowl ban. And if I'm LSU, I don't protest that too much because the scholarship hit's not that severe given the talent that's that's on that roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bowl ban's nothing. I mean, and, and most of these kids don't want to go to the bowl games if it's not playoffs anyway. And they're, out, you know, I mean, I, I don't think they're in that mix in a couple of years. So, anyway. All right, we'll turn to the uh, four games in a minute. First, let me tell you, this podcast also brought to you by Jupiter Security Systems. They're based in Madison, Mississippi. And Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with the help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email spam protection, and they monitor your workstations and servers. They don't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location. So don't spend money on getting your employees' new laptops to work remotely. Let Jupiter monitor their home computers and protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data, and it's very affordable. Flat price, no hidden add-ons. more information, call Eric at 601-519-9583 or email info, that's I-N-F-O, at jupitersecurity.net. We're also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. 
A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show all their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. All right, we'll start with the game here in Oxford. It's the first game. It's 11 a.m. Auburn heads to Ole Miss. Auburn coming off of a loss at South Carolina. Ole Miss coming off of a loss at uh, Arkansas. The uh, Tigers are two and two. They should be one and three. Ole Miss is one and three. Um, Auburn's a three and a half point favorite heading to Oxford. As of the last time I checked it, while you're talking, I'll pull up the new lines and see what's changed. But um, just kind of your initial impressions of Auburn and, at Ole Miss. With all due respect to Ole Miss, I think this game is so much about Auburn. It's not even funny. It's about you know the the whole Gus Malzahn situation is been there for a while but it's just getting heated up more and more yeah. as this team looks dysfunctional and i can break something it, real quick chris that'll lend you some some something to talk about i can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are coaches on that auburn coaching staff that are already weeks away searching for exits oh i'm i'm sure there is i think they know that there's there's and that's that's one place that probably is so frustrated that they may have, you know, the people that are willing to write that check and don't care about the optics of, oh, you're going to write and pay that all. I, you know, I, so look, I, and look, it's the optics of it. You lose to Ole Miss in a first year coach. That would be bad. And yet, I think Ole Miss's chances are really good. I think Ole Miss will rebound. I think they're going to play better on offense. I very surprised at their tempo and, and their their approach last week, I think that's going to be a rebound at home for them to play well. And if they get Auburn playing from behind, look, it is potentially a get well, get our offense well game for Auburn against Ole Miss defense. But I, I just don't like them playing from behind. And Auburn, as I watch them on tape, it, it just they have no identity. Their defense can't step up and take control of the game. There's not enough consistency running it. You know, Bo Nix is is frustrated, and the passing game that it's being relying upon, and it was, but it's just not. Um, there's just not the sharpness to it, and they're only converting like forty percent on third downs, uh, which is why they're only averaging twenty one points a game, and twenty one points ain't going to be enough. They're going to have to score. Um, I think you know quite a bit more than that. I mean, you know, not double that, but they're going to have to score 30 to win this game. I, I don't know. I, this is a this is a very dangerous game yet. We've seen Gus or Lazarus, as some may call him, survive and come through. I, I don't know that this is going to do it in and of itself. I just think a win here is not going to be all that positive as much as a loss here would be further digging a hole that may be too tough for them to get out of you know it's interesting i was on my friend jg tate uh he covers auburn for rivals.com he and i uh -huh. covered all together when he was in montgomery and, and i was in mobile known jay forever we do a show together called greatest pot in the south i was on his board a little bit just kind of you know checking it out and i don't want to be hyperbolic and say that everyone on the board because that's that's too much <laughs> But there's a lot of those people on that board, and it's a that's a, a strong Auburn site. Been established for a long time. There's a lot of hardcore Auburn fans that are on that site every day, and they're cheering for Ole Miss. They want and, they lost. Yeah. How about tell us about because I know it's probably happening because it's not anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong on those type boards. It's no longer well. Should we or shouldn't we with Gus is. Who do they want? Because that's where they are now. That's what I'm getting, the questions I'm getting. Yeah. In my, my, who do they want? Well, you know, they have different names that fly up, and it's still early for that. But, you know, some people throw Hugh Freeze's name out there. He's having mm -hmm. success at Liberty. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Hugh Freeze fits Auburn. I've covered Auburn. I've been around Auburn. I can tell you this is, and I mean this as a compliment. Auburn people not only want to win, they want to win Auburn's way. They, and they want to win with someone that that they like as the face of their program. And I don't know that Hugh Freeze meets that 
qualification. Hugh Freeze is going, going from Gus Malzahn to Hugh Freeze systemically is the same thing. The way that they play, it's the same kind of offense. And it just, you go from one guy who's kind of whatever to a guy who's pretty hokey. I just, Chris, I've got my doubts about whether that would work. I've seen some talk about shooting for the stars and going after James Franklin, who might not be completely happy at Penn State. Um, obviously, Billy Napier's name's going to come up because Billy Napier's name is going to come up just about everywhere. If there's an SEC opening, he's waited his time there at Louisiana Lafayette, done a really good job. You know, I, I don't know. I will say this. Auburn has a tendency to hire people who had Auburn ties. Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator at Auburn before he got the job. Gene Chizik had been the defensive coordinator at Auburn when they hired him away from Iowa State. Uh, they they have a tendency to go Auburn. In fact, the last time they didn't was Tommy Tuberville, who didn't have any Auburn ties. They hired him away from Ole Miss back in, what was that, November, December of 1998. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since they've stepped out. You know, I, I, I don't know. And they don't really have that guy with that pedigree and background that stands out as the answer. Right Will now. Muschamp's name would come up? Yeah, but that, that, that's going to be a hard sell if, if he yeah. – Hey, he stays at South Carolina if he does well, and if he doesn't, you're going to hire a guy that hasn't got it done at Florida and at South Carolina. That That's going to be a tough sell, I would think. Well, and I don't mean this as an insult to Auburn at all, but if you're – let's just take Will for a minute. If you if you, if you have the South Carolina job, and let's say he wins Saturday and kind of starts to really further stabilize things and take some of that heat off of him, if you're comparing jobs – Auburn, South Carolina, the money's the same. If the stability's the same, I'm not sure which one's not a better job. If you look around your East landscape, yeah, Georgia's a power, no question. Florida's good, but I don't know that we can put them in the power category yet. Tennessee, I think we're, we talked about that. That's There's issues there. Kentucky has a ceiling. Missouri's whatever. Uh, Vanderbilt sucks. Um I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but you know, the, the division is, it's fine. If you look at the West, you got still got Saban, no signs of slowing down. You've got now Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss LSU's a year removed from winning the whole damn thing. And I mean, they could, if, if something happened with Ed, the list of coaches that would want the LSU job is longer than the 22 minutes that we have left. So I don't, I don't, you know, the, the Clemson is a factor with, with, uh, with South Carolina, certainly, but I don't know that Will Muschamp's dying to leave South Carolina. <laughs> no, and it's not a win or die job. Auburn is right. Yeah. Go, oh, go, go and win, compete. And then, oh, by the way, beat Alabama and Gus has done that. That's still not good enough. And you get all, and you get Georgia every year. And yeah. So it's, it's a about yeah. The job is it's a proud, proud, proud program. Yep. Uh, it is a, a a prestigious program. It is chock full of tradition. It's uh, people have won there, <clears throat> and the expectation is that you win there, not just win, but to win big. And to win big at Auburn, you've got to go through Alabama and Georgia every damn year, and that's hard. Yeah, no, and you know it's a it's a job too that, uh, and there, there's some there's some really good. Um, coaches that would be good fits, but in their eyes may not be is quote unquote high enough profile for them. But no, it'll be interesting, and and we shall see. But th- things are definitely tough on the plains. And so who Auburn do you like? Go- uh, Auburn, Ole Miss. Who do you like? I I like Ole Miss at home here. Do you I really? Do. I do. <clears throat> for the record, I, I'm picking Auburn, and I think they cover the line. So we'll see. We'll see just how bad off I am. We should have kept the competition. And said who did the who did the best each week. We didn't do it. I would, we'll, would we'll probably you know surrender that. I probably not. yeah. I'm not you know the picking thing and the points. Um, yeah, no. It's sometimes the film doesn't necessarily suggest what's going to happen next week. Chris has the rebels. I've got the tigers. Uh, Alabama at Tennessee. I don't think there's much debate about who's going to win this game. I, I feel safe and say we both believe Alabama will beat Tennessee. The line is 20 points. It's up to 21 on most books. Uh, Alabama, a three-touchdown favorite. Again, 230 Central, 330 Eastern on CBS. 
Chris, to me, I mean, I know CBS took this game thinking they were going to get this rivalry kind of thing. I hope they have their broadcast filler ready because I think this is a blowout. Yeah, they just there's uh, slim pickings this weekend. They, I mean, it's just not a whole lot there, and it's uh, you know for a younger audience, man. This is this is the game of the South, man. Yeah, this was for Bear Bryant. This is the game, not Auburn. It was not Auburn, Alabama. It was Tennessee, Alabama, and it was when you said third Saturday in October. That was that just spoke volumes. Up. That was yeah. it. It just. And boy, I've been to many of these games Thursday, Saturday, and October. I would make that a an annual scouting, uh, you know, venture because that was usually the game. And and they they've been long stretches where it seemingly it hasn't been good for a while, Neil. Even when Tennessee was good, and it was Tennessee and Florida leading the SEC, Bama was down. It's been a long time since this has been really good. I mean, you had the. Mount Cody block when Lane's one year at Tennessee was close, but it was a close game, but the programs weren't close. It just doesn't, you know, just doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot. And it is a complete, complete, um, blowout type of game. And look, I, I, I am looking for how Tennessee responds in terms of effort. Um, Alabama's running it at a 170 yards clip a game. They're getting it to all of their receivers. Uh, you know, people ask me on another show this morning, well, you, you think Tennessee will stay committed to the run? Yeah, until you're down 17, and then you have to be more pass first. And that leads to some problems. So, no, I think this is a name your score, a big win. And um, what is it, 21-ish? What? 21 points. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, I, I think Alabama probably covers it. Yeah, I'd lay 21 points all day. I'd think about laying 31. <laughs> I, I don't know how bad he wants it. I know that uh, he's got Butch Jones on his staff there, and, and uh, they're close, and I'm sure there's some personal feelings uh, there as well. I, I just – I tell you, I, I think this deal is about to get interesting at, um, at Tennessee. He's, he's going to have to fix it. You, he's fine, but he's going to have to fix it, and – It'll be a hard. It's a hard what, fix. At what what point do you sit there and you know, my man Philip is you know you go ahead and give him that extension. And I get when they do these extensions, it's recruiting the future. But man, was that necessary? Uh, now what that does is if this goes bad as is the rest of this year, you're just putting yourself into where you're going to have to eat a whole lot of money after next year. Cause if it goes bad next year and you got to do something, it's a lot different eating it at the end of next year versus his previous contract versus the one he just got an extension on. That's a administrative screw up that Jeremy Pruitt wasn't going anywhere. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, but you know what they were gambling on. We got it. He got it turned around. Guys, it's a lesson. Let it play out a little bit. You turn it around, you prove it, you're worried that, oh, this might be the guy that's going to replace Nick Saban at Alabama because all of a sudden Tennessee's, you know, gone uh, and and uh, competing in the East this year. Then you can do the deal. Good Lord, let it play out. Now yep. you've got a guy that you got to buy out a year early and Look, he didn't have the leverage. Gus got the money because he was able to play Arkansas against Auburn. And you know, and, and, and we were just talking about Will. Will is going to use Auburn to maybe secure himself a little bit more at South Carolina if he loses. But but Jeremy didn't even have that. Nobody's coming after him. That was very curious. Gus should have gone to Arkansas. That's that's the thing. His ego didn't let him do it. But he should have taken the job. Boy, are they happy he didn't right now. Wow. And who would have said, oh, yeah, we, we don't want Gus, the Arkansas fans. We, we want Sam Pittman. They're all happy now. They're all happy now. He just looks like a fit. He just looks like a fit. I mean, it really does. I've, I've, I've watched it, and it, it feels like a fit. Kentucky, speaking of, at Missouri, the Wildcats. That thing opened at six and a half. Chris, you can get it. At five and a half or five 
across the board. Kentucky minus five, five and a half, depending on where you are. Uh, you're betting. Bavada has it at five and a half. So we'll, we'll we'll call it five and a half points. The Wildcats a five and a half point favorite at Missouri, three o'clock SEC Network. I like Kentucky here. I, I I just think Kentucky's defense is going to give that Missouri offense some problems. You know, styles matter, how it looks, but you know, I do think not being able to get their guys lined up and playing Kentucky defense early hurt, you know, was a factor for a team that's well coached to not be able to coach them like they normally do. They allowed 71 points in their first two games. They've allowed nine points in their last two. Nine points. They've been excellent. Uh, they've, they've been excellent. Mm-hmm. And, yes, Mississippi State, Tennessee's not had any answers, and they've made mistakes. But nobody is flipping the ball over with their defense better than Kentucky in the country. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for Mizzou to slow down the run game of Kentucky. And, boy. You, you, we, you talk about like Tennessee struggles on offense. And, you know, one of the things I look at and I was talking about, you, you look at the job that Kentucky's not had a real passing game in a while, and they managed to milk as much out of a passing game as possible. And look at what uh, an Arkansas is doing, aforementioned Arkansas with Felipe Franks. And you look at the problems that Garantano's had and, and how they've not been able to work around him as limited as he is. They're asking him to, to make great plays. You can't do that. Kentucky gets who they are. They protect who they are. They play to their strength. Missouri's found a little offense. I don't know that they're going to be able to get. I think they'll challenge Kentucky's defense greater than Tennessee and Mississippi State, who's more one-dimensional. But I still think Kentucky's the play here. I think they're the better team. Yeah, I do too. I think uh, I think they're going to look up and be three and two at the halfway point and go. Could have been worse, because I think if you had told them at the beginning of the year you're going to lose to Auburn and Ole Miss to start the season, they probably would have panicked a little, and they're going to be okay. All right, the uh, the game down in your neck of the woods. I'm, I'm I I think this is a really interesting game for a number of reasons. A lot of distractions for LSU. I don't know whether Miles Brennan's going to play. It doesn't sound likely. South Carolina at LSU. This game opened at seven and a half. It's down to six and a half or six again, depending on your on your betting house. South Carolina, we'll call it a six and a half point underdog at LSU again. Six o'clock ESPN. Am I crazy to to think this is a game South Carolina can not only cover the line but win straight up? Oh no, you're not crazy. I think South Carolina's got a great chance to win it. Um you know, Max Johnson and Finley have been kind of splitting the reps. No one is – I mean, they're both freshmen. Brad Johnson's son is Max. Um, they're both going to play, I would suspect, unless the starter just really hits hot. For LSU, it's the run game and the inability to be able to run the full. They're averaging, not averaging 100 yards rushing. That's a real problem. And so that's got to change. If had – a little quote unquote not scheduled by a week to fix some things. Um South Carolina's playing better, but let's call it like it is. Um they played a dysfunctional Auburn team and a just a bad Vanderbilt team. So let's not get overly excited. However, they're physical and I think LSU's got something to prove here. But I think South Carolina's got a really good chance. I do. I mean, LSU is going to have to run the football. I think they'll stay patient with the run. That's going to be the key. If South Carolina can force them into the air, if they can really play a lot of two high looks and still defend the run, South Carolina, and effectively, South Carolina will pull this upset and win it. It's just going to be about, you know, how much did he need to commit to stop the run? And LSU has not been able to run it. They've not stayed committed to the run. I think they're going to have to stay committed to the run here because I think they're going to have to protect the quarterback. And if they get behind in this game, the thing about South Carolina that would concern you in any game is, boy, they make dumb mistakes too. And, yeah. and they just, you know, so they could mistake their way into this. Uh, but with seven points, getting seven points, I definitely take the seven because I think this is a toss-up game in a game in which I don't know who's going to win it as much as I don't know who's going to lose it. 
How good of a pro prospect is J.C. Horn? Really good. Right now, he's grading out as the best corner in the SEC. He is outstanding. He's really playing well. He's my favorite player in the league. I love watching him play. For people who don't know, it's Joe Horn's son. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and if you watch him for very long, you can see the similarity. Yeah, yeah it's a little, little bit of that, and the apple didn't fall far from the tree there. Uh, really talented. He's got a lot of ability. Uh, we get to the NFL in a minute. Big Ten starts tonight, Wisconsin and uh, Illinois. Tomorrow night, I should say. Friday night, Wisconsin, Illinois. And then a full slate of games. We're going to see Ohio State and Nebraska, the two programs that probably saved the Big Ten, the two programs that fought the hardest. They play one another. Uh, Ohio State, a 25-point favorite over Nebraska. Obviously, you'll watch Ohio State on Saturday, but before they get going, in your mind, is this a title contender? Do they have the talent to win the championship? Absolutely do. Um, you know, this is a really talented offense. It's got an offensive line that's as good as any in the country. I mean, you put them in that category with an Alabama type, and they're really good. Uh, particularly in the interior, they're good. Tackles are solid. Uh, this really good. They'll be able to run the football. Quarterbacks outstanding in the run and throw game. Uh, defensively replacing folks got good young corners, but they're you know they look like any of these elite programs. You know, Clemson, Alabama, the bunch of guys going to the NFL, and they got a bunch of other guys that they've got coming back. This is definitely an elite team, a national championship caliber team. What is going to be intriguing is. We're going to have to remind ourselves as we're getting close to Halloween that this is the opening week for them. So you wonder if you're going to have the opening week sloppiness and the the things you can't get done in the game. So, but I don't think it'll be a problem. I don't think uh, I think Nebraska might be able to score some points because I don't know if the tackling will be up to enough. But I think Ohio State kind of runs away with it, and I think they don't have anybody in the league that can beat them. They will have to beat themselves, and I would make them. Um, just in terms of balance of talent, I, I would make them second only to Clemson, and I don't even know if I'd make them second. I just I'd like to see them play before I start sinking and ranking them because I don't think that's fair. But I can evaluate the talent and say that these are really really good. Whether you think it's fair or not, six in games, eight games, five, whatever, they're one of the best teams, and I just think we're going to have to accept the fact it's not going to be quote unquote fair. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting to me is that this is such a – you saw how sloppy some of the SEC teams were, and they yes. started late September. These guys are starting late October. Yes. And it, it makes you wonder, will you be even that much more sloppy? Because yes. you know, when you practice against one another and you have these extended camps and stuff, it sounds good. But you don't know what you have until you play somebody else. Yeah, and here's the thing. So people out there, fans saying, okay, yeah, going to bake your snap judgments off. Well, they're not as good as – and played four games. Here's the other thing. We're starting to get a feel for what some of these teams are on the SEC four weeks, five weeks in. They get five weeks into the Big Ten, and it'll be rounding up the schedule. It's like, are they going to – never peak before the playoffs or are they going to be a little bit healthier and i mean it's this is these are interesting discussions that we've never thought we'd ever ever have what are you hearing about bowl games you think bowl games happen yes uh i think they're going to be straight exhibitions and anybody is going to be qualified but i you know what i don't know is i think they're going to try to play them because of tv i mean you know i mean you think, well, well, they're not going to have any fans. A lot of them don't have any fans anyway. Anyway, right. It's TV, and I think that they'll do it because – now, I think you may have to do it differently. I don't know what you're going to do with the normal bowl stuff, like, you know, the get-togethers and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you don't have that stuff, but I think if they can, they'd like to have the programming, at least ESP, ESPN owns all the damn games. <laughs> they 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 that's their programming that's what yeah. so i i think they're going to want to want to do it all right uh a week in the nfl it gets started on thursday night with uh, a game that believe it or not has playoff implications because the division is atrocious the giants are at philadelphia they're both in the playoff picture chris they, i think they've combined to win two games and they're, they're they're both absolutely playoff contenders as of right now yeah that's a mess and we got Cowboys and, and, well, Washington 
those four teams playing one another, it's just going to be a pillow fight. It's just, it's really disturbing watching these teams, how bad they can be. Phillies doesn't have playmakers on offense. Their offensive line struggling. Um, you know, the Giants was able to get a win a couple of weeks. It's just, it's just not a whole lot to say. It's just going to be uh, a pillow fight, and, and somebody is going to get a win and say, if we're on a roll, we won a game. <laughs> Carolina's at the Saints, Packers at Houston, Buffalo at the Jets, uh, Detroit at Atlanta, two bad teams, Cleveland at Cincinnati, a good game there. We mentioned Dallas and Washington. Uh, Pittsburgh is uh, at Tennessee. Now, that's a good one. The Titans Titans are playing at a really high level, and some people think the Steelers might be the best team in the AFC right now. Two of the four best teams in the AFC right there. Pittsburgh at Tennessee. I think it's a playoff. Well, two playoff teams, and don't maybe it's a playoff preview. Really important because you're talking home field advantage implications here, potentially. Um, as you got head to head, this Steeler team a little bit better on defense than Tennessee. Tennessee's got a little bit better running game. It's in Nashville. Shapes up really great. Um, like these two teams an awful lot. I'm also very intrigued that Seattle with Arizona. This Arizona team could cause some problems. Don't be surprised if they pull the upset at home again against Seattle. Um, this Arizona team, when they are playing their best, can compete. They're a playoff team, but they've just been woefully inconsistent. The game against Detroit was disturbing and how they played, but they're tough to deal with on offense. They can match points with you. And defensively, they can maybe come up with another a couple of plays here there to, to steal another possession each game. So that game is really intriguing to me as well. I also am thrilled on Monday night to be watching the Rams and the Bears. I think that's a really good matchup. I want to see the you left off some keywords. And and if you're going to keep doing this with okay. some disrespectful manner, I'm going to correct you. It, okay. NFC North leading. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I I I forgot that. Hey, listen. But I'm I'm. Uh, it, it's at least I got the 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 right day of the week. I, I've been messing that up all week. But you know this Rams offense. I thought they were on pace to repeat of a couple of years ago. Hit a couple of roadblocks. This Bears defense is no joke. Um, and this you know, but blocking Aaron Donald and the way they're playing Aaron Donald, they're moving him up and down the line of scrimmage. This is this is really really going to be a fun Monday night game. You never know what they're going to get in this this Monday night where there's no flexing Monday night games. Sometimes you get dogs. This is a really good one. So, you know, Tampa the 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 Raiders are intriguing and um and uh, Carolina Saints. You know that that tell you what Matt Rule's done a good job. Phil Snow running the defense. Joe Brady running the offense. That's a team that's up coached better than anybody in the NFL this year. They're they're not a contender, the record would suggest it, but the fact that they are competing and contending week in and week out in every game. I mean, without Christian McCaffrey, Davis has run well for him. It's this has been a really, really good job. I watched their game against the Bears last week. Uh, it was a really entertaining, competitive NFL yes. game, really well coached game on on both sides. You know, I do want to ask you about the Bears and Rams. Got about a minute and a half, two minutes left. Uh, if you're the Bears, there's a lot of talk in Chicago about the Bears. What precisely are they? And we've joked around about how they've won ugly, but winning ugly in the NFL counts. If you're the Bears approaching this trade deadline, is there an area you try to bolster that could take you from contender to maybe truly a contender? I think you're looking for – if you can find the right offensive playmaker, that might make a difference. That that certainly, you know, with Nick Foles, Nick Foles is a really good relief pitcher that I think you got to play well around him. So I think you got to be able to find another playmaker that you can you can do some damage in the passing game when people are going to overplay the run. So I look, I mean, this is built around the defense that keeps them in every game, but for them to advance once they get into the playoffs. They're going to need to be more proficient in the passing game. They're kind of, a, if you want to use the analogy, but the SEC show, they're they're kind of the the Georgia of you know they've can they do enough? Do they good enough at quarterback? Well, they're not going to line up at the quarterback position and beat you, but if you play well enough around them, and we saw them do that with Nick in Philadelphia and beat the Patriots and Tom Brady and those guys. Uh, I don't know that the Bears are 
you know, that, but I think that that would be something that they would probably look to try to do. Um, at least certainly I would. Yeah. That's kind of what they're saying in Chicago too. Maybe try to bolster the offensive line and then try to find a player. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll t- talk about that Rams bears game. We'll also talk about all of week five in the sec and start getting you ready for week six. So enjoy your weekend out there. Uh, be happy that the Big Ten has cured myocarditis and they're joining the game. So uh, we're, we'll get back on Tuesday. We'll talk about all of that on the next episode of SEC Football and Beyond. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Talk to you then.